right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. I am your host for this week, Jim Root, and I am joined by the rest of the three-man weave crew, Kai McEwen and Matt Cox. We're spread out all over the country today. I am, I am staying on the strip for all the basketball that is happening here in Vegas. Matthew is in Hawaii. Kai is holed up in Chicago, but we've got a lot going on. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we are going to be bringing you a BBOC episode talking all things college hoops betting every Wednesday morning. That's leading up to conference play in January, at which point our schedule is undetermined, fellas. But we will continue to provide quality content at that point. We're just not exactly sure when it will be in your airwaves in some form or another. Keep an eye out for it. Stay on your toes. That's all I can tell you at this point. That's right, Maddie. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to discuss some games of the week. Go through our typical format here. We've got live dogs. We've got blowouts. We've got the power games of the week. Hint, Gonzaga Duke. And we've got a couple other categories that we will get to. If you're a listener to the show, you're familiar. Uh, but we're talking power conference, talking mid-major. We do it all. Projecting uh, value on spreads that we don't know yet because they're later in the week. But we're going to do our best for it. Uh, Kai, you ready to jump in? Jim, I'm ready to jump in. Let's do it. All right, baby. It's like the deep end of a pool. Let's, let's do it. It's a big week. A lot of day basketball this week because of all the tournaments. We love it, but it's overwhelming. Uh, let, let's get started with our first category here. The live dog of the week. Again, I think everybody knows what this is. But if you're not, these are the teams that are underdogs that we think are, are very capable of winning. Matt, I want to start with you because last week, you proposed, and I think Kai and I have rel- uh, strongly agreed with you. Maybe not strongly, but we were like, yeah, we're on board. You proposed that George Mason could win at Maryland. And you know what they did? They got they it done. Did. They got they it done. done. Yes, and they that's, did. That's what we're starting this week. We're starting with James, uh, George Mason again at the Pentagon on Wednesday, taking on South Dakota State. It's kind of like a semi-home game for the Jackrabbits. They've played in this venue quite a bit before, and both of these teams will have played on Tuesday night in this particular venue. But Matt, Ken Palm has George Mason as a seven point underdog. That it's, that seems like a big projected spread. Do you think the Patriots are alive again? Yeah, it does seem high, especially because it's not like a true, true home game for the Jack bunnies here. Just as a general broader take on the live dog of the week. Last week we were in the heyday of underdogs. A money line value is at its all time highest. The last few days we've seen favorites roar back with engines. Um, much to our chagrin, as we've been backing a lot of large dogs and they have folded like lawn chairs in the second halves. So just in general, trying to pounce on these money line underdogs doesn't have, I don't think the value it had last week, but I still think there are pockets of opportunity to pounce on of which we are highlighting here. Jim, I'm torn on this one personally. I think Mason could be a kryptonite type matchup for the Jack Bunnies. And you could also argue that they've been, the Jack Bunnies have been overvalued in the current betting markets because of how inflated their Kempom and analytic rankings have gotten. But I also think they're just awesome. So I don't think I'll be doing Moneyline Sprinkle, Maddie Moneyline Sprinkles here, but I think there's definitely a value on Mason at the dog, as a dog. 
I, I love the bunnies this year. Um, and we've already seen George Mason, Jim, like you said, take down a, a Goliath. Why not again here in South Dakota state, maybe a little bit of less Goliath. I mean, program history overall grand scheme of things, George Mason, probably the better program. If you want to look at the final four, for instance, and back in like Oh six, Jimmy. Uh, luckily for the listeners out there, you'll have the, uh, the information about these two teams against Nevada and Washington, two teams that are both going to play prior to this matchup on Wednesday at the Pentagon. Um, so maybe you can get a couple more inklings out of that. I think George Mason's defense is just way better than South Dakota State's defense. So I, I see Mason scoring pretty easily here, um, and, and I'm going to be looking to back George Mason. Yeah, the, the thing about South Dakota State is that they can spread you out with like bigger playmaking wings, and that's not going to bother George Mason. Like they, They've got Deshaun Schwartz and Devontae Gaines that can uh, – big ticket gains. Ticket, that's his nickname. Ticket gains. Uh, those guys can spread out in Devon Cooper. Like they've got versatility. They got size on the wing that can uh, be switchable and, and take care of business against those South Dakota State guys. And, and if if you have an athletic edge over the Jackrabbits, that's sometimes their kryptonite as well. And yeah. we definitely think that George Mason does. Uh, Oduro is a phenomenal big man. He's not going to be pushed around by Douglas Wilson inside. Uh, yeah, I, it's seven. I, there's no way the spread is seven. I, I would imagine no, it's something like. Be four if that maybe three yeah. um but still looking to back george mason as a dog here uh, i think these teams are pretty even so kind of a coin flip matchup if you're getting points that's that's what we're looking for all right next one on the outline a little bit bigger of an underdog heading down to Kissimmee, florida one of these neutral site events i believe this is the espn events invitational mm-hmm. formerly the old spice classic formerly the advocare invitational aka the pyramid scheme invitational. The pyramid scheme special Oh, baby, that's right. Yep. Got North Texas taking on Kansas. Kansas is a 15-point favorite. As we know, North Texas is a dangerous underdog because they took down Purdue, a Purdue team that's looked incredible, uh, albeit you know a year ago, but they took down Purdue in the NCAA tournament. They slow the game down. They minimize possessions. They play great defense. They're extremely well coached by Grant McCaslin. Kai, do you think North Texas, the mean green, can at least make top five Kansas team think about this game. Yeah, as you said, it's neutral, you know, not the fog. So, all right, automatically, we, we don't have that going for Kansas. I don't see the spread being 15 like Kim Palm has it. I bet it's a little bit lower than that, just given North Texas's reputation in the market. First game back for Jalen Wilson, Matt, I believe. Yep. Uh, sometimes these teams struggle integrating a star player back in the lineups we've seen. Yes. I think everyone expects immediate improvement. Not always the case. It can actually affect it kind of negatively game one. We've already established a rhythm the previous three games. You throw in a guy who wants the ball, expects to have the ball. Um, it can just kind of throw things off a little bit. And North Texas just plays so tough. Obviously, scoring is going to be a concern for this team, especially against a good K defense. But, man, are they well coached with McCasland. Yeah, you bring up the trouble integrating key guys back into the fold after an extended period of time. For those listening to this, you would have already have seen yesterday, if you're listening on Tuesday, to Kofi Coburn coming back for Illinois. I mean, obviously, it's a stretch of a comparison, but maybe you see Illinois struggle in that game. That's sort of a corollary to, to a team like Kansas putting in a piece like Jalen Wilson. So suddenly, just North Texas in general, you guys mentioned it. There's such a perfect underdog, both as a just a back with spread and catching points or just a money line. They suck the life out of you. Your offense, they, they bait you into jump shots. Uh, the pack line is ironclad, and Kansas has some propensity to take, take some bad shots, um, especially with Remy Martin there playing such a high usage role. 
And I, I just think that North Texas has enough shot makers. Uh, we've seen Tyler Perry, who's the new sort of unknown Juco star that Grant McCaslin has turned over a stone and uncovered a diamond in the rough, as he always does. You're going to have to make some shots to be Kansas. If you're looking at like an actual money line, you know, win here. And they have a guy who can do that. So a guy late in the shot clock that can get you a bucket when everything else breaks down. I'm with you, Jim. This is a good call by you. I, everything sets up here for a cover. Um, and because the possession is going to play so low, it doesn't feel like it should be a 15 point spread. So it should play like a four, three, four possession type game it should be a lot closer. Matt, how do you like Tyler Perry's house of rain? That's house of rain. That's good. Because I know he, we've been still workshopping nicknames for him, but yeah, he, much he better than uh, Javion Hamlet had some good ones with some, some, some Shakespearean stuff, but now the house of pain with Tyler <laughs> Perry is just a, a cut above marketability. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah, Matt, you kind of mentioned it. it's the giant killer formula. They, they they limit possessions. They take a lot of threes. So there's wide variance. Uh, I, I think North Texas can hang around. I probably won't sprinkle the money line. Just uh, Kansas is too good. I, I think they're a top two team in the country. So I uh, can't quite recommend that. But uh, I think that at least on the spread, there's some value here. I'm just way too giddy over hitting money lines after our performance last week, Jim. So you're right. Kansas is awesome. I don't know why I'm talking <laughs> myself into this. Like it's going to be a surefire coin flip game. Kansas is the real deal. Yep. Hey, let's stay in Kissimmee, guys. There's another uh, mid-major versus power conference matchup. And this one is a rematch of the NCAA tournament last year. We've got Alabama and Iona. It's a 2-15 game in the NCAA tournament. Now we're, we're here with a potentially even better Iona team. Uh, they haven't really blown the doors off anyone this season, though. Been kind of rough in first halves, have come back and, and battled and remain undefeated. But it's not been in convincing fashion. Meanwhile, Alabama has torched almost everybody south alabama hang, hung around but the other three games the tide have been outstanding kai do you think that iona competes here uh, coming off the familiarity of that that ncaa tournament matchup or are the tide just too good this year i think they're too good and we put alabama on upset alert i think week one against louisiana tech and they laughed at us it's ha- <laughs> yeah i don't think it's happening here tempo is going to be high matt and i think that plays more towards an alabama route that tournament game, 13-point game, I think Iona actually covered, which was a little bit surprising to me at the time yep. as well. Bama's just proven there. They have another gear this season. So I, I am not going to be sprinkling the gales here. Yeah, me either. Also, Elijah Joyner uh, may be out for this game. He is arguably Iona's second-best guard, one of their most important backcourt pieces, has some hip issue, and they, they've already had a myriad of other you know, B-less type injuries. I just, this Iona team is going to be awesome. And I think they're a team you want to star as a look to back and get hot when fully healthy. They've still played very well, even with some of those headwinds early on. Um, but this matchup right now and given the joint injury, I can't in good faith back the, the Gales. Yeah, he it, he went down as though he was like done for the season. And then he came back against Liberty. Like he came back into the game. So maybe he's okay, but I'm sure that's something that's going to be sore over multiple days. And yeah, I, I, I think Alabama is outstanding. They've been, uh, they've got that three-headed guard monster, the Jays we've talked about in the past, Davis and Quinerly and Shackelford, and they, they're getting emerging contributions. Betty Ako, the, the freshman, has been really good lately, the, the big man. So uh, I, I think Alabama kind of runs away and hides in this one, especially first half, because we've seen Iona with so many slow starts lately. So definitely uh, not the one that we're looking at as, as dog value. Two more in this section. Let's hit. Oklahoma State is headed on the road to Oral Roberts. This is kind of shocking, but we did see the Cowboys go to UT Arlington to start the season last year. Uh, Boynton has clearly shown a willingness to play real mid-major road games. 
And this one's pretty scary. We, we obviously know what Oral Roberts did in the tournament last year. Max Aismas was a beast, but he was not a beast in their most recent outing. He was over 12 in the first half against Central Arkansas, finished three for 18. They lost to Central Arkansas. Bad, bad L. Matt, can Oklahoma State blow them out? Or do we see like the, the incredible Oral Roberts team that we saw in the tournament this time around? The problem with Oral Roberts is that they're playing like the team that we saw before the tournament. Offense, very fun. Defense, optional. Um, neighboring on apathetic. And they gave up 109 to Colorado State. Uh, gave up 70 to Central Arkansas. And that's not a lot of points, but it's not a very good offense. And they have no rim protection. I believe their two-point percentage defense is bottom 10 in the country, uh, giving wide open looks to opposing. You know, so the defense... Defense is very shoddy, but Jim, as you mentioned, this is going to probably be a high variance type of game just because of the shot selection, that the amount of threes that Oral Roberts can take and make, especially when Ace misses on. And it sets up Kai to be like the ultimate bounce back spot where maybe they were just bored against a team they didn't really take seriously going on the road. And now they're back home in a hype spot in Tulsa and they get hot and they knock off the cowpokes. Could certainly see it. Um, Oral Roberts is still a team that I think we need to pump the brakes on. Remember who they were before they were awesome in March last year. Yeah, overrated, I think, by by most prognosticators out there. Not by us, Matthew. Not by you, Mr. Mm-mm. Summit writer. Yeah, I picked them third or fourth, right? Yeah. Disrespect. Uh, Disrespect. Had Oklahoma State not lost to Oakland, I, I'd probably be looking at Oral Roberts as a money line special here. But since they did, I think they're a little bit more aware uh, of giving up a game against a, a live dog like this. Last season, worth noting, Oklahoma State won by just five at home last season against Oral Roberts. Certainly a better Oral Bob team, but still early in the season when they're still uh, figuring things out that central Arkansas loss was head scratching ace was being three for 18 from the floor. That probably proves to be an anomaly. Um, you know, or Roberts going to be up for this game, but Jim, it's only about an hour drive for Oklahoma state. Not a whole lot of home here. I think Ken Palm has a spread around 10. That's probably what it'll be. I'm going to lean towards Oral Roberts. Yeah, this is tough. I, I, the, the home team getting hype against big brother, like in-state big brother, it, it always scares me. Like backing the road favorite when it's the Super Bowl for the home team, uh, that that certainly uh, scares me a little bit. And perhaps that's part of the Central Arkansas performance was a look ahead. Like we, we get to yeah. maybe have a chance at Oklahoma State and they did not take a, a team seriously that frankly, I understand why they didn't because Central Arkansas has been terrible. But uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely... Uh, stay away from this one because I, d- I just don't know what we're going to get Matt with the, the high variance take is I think the, the key point here. All right. Last one. And this one is going to be my money line special just to uh, spoil it here. I, I really think the road dog gets it done. We've got Louisiana tech headed to NC state. Ken Palm has this at minus six. So this isn't a monumental kind of upset or anything, you know, not a double digit dog, but I just think Louisiana tech and in, in this version of them and this version of NC state, the mid-major team's better. Kenneth Lawton can dominate the paint. There's no Manny Bates for the entire season for the Wolfpack. Their interior rotation is soft and questionable outside of that. And Louisiana Tech guards are good enough. I think they can take care of the ball against any NC State pressure. Kai, am I crazy? Or can the Bulldogs walk into NC State and get this done? I think they can, too. Without Manny Bates, man, they're, they're weak inside, like you said. I think Lawton has a field day here. Uh, NC State, Matt, has yet to cover a game all season. Uh, one of the very few teams that is over against the spread. Louisiana Tech is very, very live in this situation. Yeah, here's my concern. Isaiah Crawford has not played or did not yet hurt, I think, three games in. 
um, the timing of this episode. So Louisiana Tech will have a, a game Wednesday. So check to see if he played. If you're very interested, if you're picking up what Jim and Kyle are putting down. Um, I think if he's back, I think this is a home run play. He's very important to the offense. He provides some good inside out balance. They have other guards, other playmakers, uh, but I think he's probably their best perimeter player, maybe second best behind Amari Archibald. I mean, they're all, yeah, there's some, they're of them all are good. They're kind of interchangeable. That's a good point. Maybe I'm overplaying that, but Lofton's awesome. My only concern here is that NC state replicates the same formula. We saw Alabama against La Tech where they sort of ran up and down and took Lofton out of the game, but I think Lofton's too good. And I think, Conkle has learned from that, and this is a pretty live dog spot. So I will give the official co-sign stamp of approval on this one. Boom. I love it. And I mean, the NC State's just not as good as Alabama. doesn't have the right. It's a different the, gear. No, they yeah, don't have the guards yeah, yeah. to dictate the tempo. Like, I, I, yeah, this one sets up a lot better for, for Louisiana Tech. Kai, we got a couple others listed. Uh, I know you're, you're curious about New Mexico playing UAB here in Vegas uh, as a 15-point underdog in Ken Palm. That does seem huge. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> Spread can't be that high, right? No, the market the market has bet New Mexico in every yeah. game they played. Yeah, I think the market knows New Mexico is over was undervalued in Kempom based on last year's total fluke of a season. I'm not sure if New Mexico can beat UAB because UAB has been truly fantastic. I guess except the South Carolina game, which they but almost came back and won. They they got yeah, close. Certainly keeps it within double digits, I think. Um, so we'll see what the spread ends up being on Thursday. Jalen House went to the locker room with an ankle boo boo last game. And if he's not around to handle some of the pressure for UAB, I think the, the backcourt could end up melting. Jamal Mashburn would be overwhelmed by the, the responsibilities there. So keep an eye out on House's status. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. No, that was my point. I'm uh, Matty injuries today. So that was my final just caveat to Kai's point. But yeah, I think that spread, if it was close to Kempom, would be way too high. Matty Mash unit. Take Matty Mash unit, baby. That. All right, let's go to our next category. This is Blowout City. Uh, we're looking for teams that we think we know the spread's going to be big, but we think they can absolutely demolish the competition. Anyways, last year or last week, excuse me, we were correctly guessed that Baylor would destroy Central Arkansas. So we got that one right. I think we predicted a St. John's domination. Seton Hall over Fairleigh Dickinson. So uh, that's the one. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So uh, even though the spread's going to be large, we just think these blowouts are really going to get out of hand. And we'll start off with Houston Baptist at Oklahoma. This is on Wednesday. Houston Baptist went to Texas A&M, who is not a good big favorite. They're just not. They don't have the offensive firepower. And Texas A&M beat them by 35. Like, it was not a competition at all. Probably not even that close. Like, Houston Baptist was just never in the game. Now they go to an Oklahoma team that's probably a little angry following the championship loss to Utah State in the Myrtle Beach Invitational. I, I think Oklahoma just absolutely crushes them, Matt. They're starting to get the Porter Moser identity with a great passing big man, some skilled bigs and a really stout defensive unit. I don't see how Houston Baptist scores here. Right. It's similar to what we saw in the Texas A&M game, where if you have a team that just plays solid, stingy defense, it will bother Houston Baptist. And that will just be like a, a red carpet for transition opportunities and like Harlem Globetrotter type dunks at the other end. I mean, the Texas A&M announcers were laughing at how many dunks they were getting in that game. And I think this could be a repeat movie here, Kai. Uh, in addition, they lost by 44 to Texas. Um, Oklahoma's not quite as good as Texas, but it's clear Houston Baptist is not in the same gym as as these power teams. Uh, heck, I mean, they lost by 13 to Denver. This team is very, very bad. Not super unexpected coming into the year. I thought they'd be a little bit better maybe, but they just can't compete. Um, so I agree, Jim. OU is a, a clear roast for me this week. All right, next one, Clemson hosting Charleston Southern on Friday. 
I had I had some problems with this one, or but go went back and forth. Clemson as a big favorite doesn't like leap out to me because the offense isn't mega potent. But Matt, we saw this year, maybe it is. They they knocked down a ton of threes in the Charleston Classic. Uh, I believe it was the Charleston Classic. And they've got some skilled bigs, PJ Hall, Hunter Tyson, some guards that can make plays with Honor and Alamir Dawes. Meanwhile, Charleston Southern coming off an awful year, lost their defensive player of the year in Flan Fleming. He's at Florida. They did get Travis Anderson back. He debuted coming off an injury, but I don't know if there's enough firepower here to hang around with Clemson, especially if they continue to defend the way they did. Yeah, this doesn't feel like a hard roast to me, but Clemson has been offensively brilliant so far. I think we have to change our priors of Clemson basketball. You guys like Hunter Tyson and PJ Hall, true inverted inside out dual threat bigs that can step out and shoot it, make plays off the dribble, dish it, you know, be the kind of trigger men within the offense there. I love this Clemson version. Um, I just don't know if Charleston Southern is right to be blown out. I know they're starting to press more again this year, which that, you know, could play to a high pace and that leads to potential blowouts. But um, I still think there's actual pockets of mini talent on Chuck South's roster. I could be, am I reaching there? I feel like there's okay players on this. No, roster. I think I think Chuck South's very bad. Just bad, bad. One okay. of the worst in the country. Lost Ole Miss by 25, Wake by 36. Uh, yeah, the Wake and, one's the one where it's like, ah, okay. Yeah, yeah that's not great. Bob Clemson, Jones though, Kai took down Bob Jones one nineteen sixty three. It's a good ball they, they, they took down Bob Jones. Good win, good win there. Uh, yeah, Clemson one point three five points for possession against Bryant. I'm thinking that type of game uh, against Charleston Southern. I think that's entirely possible. It might. This might be like a a roast that stays under where yeah, we'll just struggles to score. Jim, to put a bow on this. Oh, sorry, we have one more. I'll put my bow after we open the final present. Oh, we got two. We got two, Matt. We got oh, one two Friday, more. one Saturday. Read the outline, Matthew. Read the outline. And we're these are two teams that were incredibly impressive this weekend in their MTEs, and now they're taking on teams that we have some serious questions about. First is Purdue hosting Nebraska Omaha. And if Purdue wants to, I think they could win this game by 60. Like if they just yeah. decided we're going to keep feeding our bigs, we're going to keep our starters on the floor a lot. They could destroy Omaha, who has had myriad injury issues this year. Lamel Robinson is yet to play. He's their best guard. Wichita State transfer big man Isaiah Poor Bear Chandler missed their last game. They just got Wanjang Tut back from injury for his debut, but he's not the same quite yet. I, th- this is just Purdue can name their number. It's basically they have the choice of whether they cover or not. I'm almost worried they might just rest like Edie or Williams. That's how confident Purdue probably feels coming into this game. But if they all play, which most likely they do, yeah, this is going to be a 50 point game. Omaha is like feels like a team of misery right now, Kai. There's probably no hope or optimism until they get any semblance of their full roster back. And when you have a team that mentally has that type of stuff creeping into your head it gets to 10 15 and that can get to 40 or 50 in a hurry yeah it's one of the best biggest mismatches ever i think uh <laughs> bloodbath of the century inside Omaha might not get one stop uh i'll be shocked if purdue doesn't win by, by 40 this game yeah especially if poor bear chandler doesn't play i don't see how they get yeah. a rebound like it, it just could be a total bloodbath on the glass uh matt i don't think they'll rest the big dudes because neither one's playing 20 minutes right a game they, they, they kind of have a natural like load management system because they're so deep and they can kind of interchange. That's a good point. Right. All right. The other one we want to mention here, Saturday, Arizona is hosting Sacramento state. Arizona looked like a national title contender winning the Roman main event, just blew out Michigan in the final, a mega impressive performance. Sacramento state is dealing with an interim coach after the, the head boss, Brian Katz stepped down right before the season. 
kind of figuring out their identity. They're a slower team, but they don't have a ton of offensive firepower or size outside of Comagum, the one big guy. Arizona could just demolish them if they're engaged. This is the same thing where it's like, is it a letdown because they just played like an absolute home run game? Or are they just on a different stratosphere and they get get the blot here? Kai, how, how are you feeling about this one? Stratosphere. And the train's leaving the station for Arizona. They're holy shit good. Uh, you don't have much time left to jump on the bandwagon. They already have two 50-plus point wins this year against Rio Grande Valley and against North Dakota State. The second one's like super eye-popping. Yeah. That team shouldn't lose by 50 to anybody. But, yeah, I don't think Sac State can, can hang around in this game. Utah beat him by 33s. This, this is going to be another 40-50 point game. Yeah, I actually think the letdown is the letdown concern is mitigated by the fact that Arizona will be off for six straight days. So I think there's like a element of antsiness and excitement to get back on the court after they just beat Michigan. So they'll have like the hangover for maybe Monday, Tuesday. They go out, they get hammered in Tucson. Yeah, I mean, you know, they wake to. up Wednesday, they detox Thursday, Friday, they're back in the gym. And by the time weekend comes around, they're ready for demolition. So yeah, I like the cats here. They have the blowout potential this year because Lloyd is letting them run quite a bit. Like he, yeah. he gives them a lot more freedom than Sean Miller did. So this is kind of a different Arizona team. They're different kind of system. Uh, they, they are fantastic. Kyle, you mentioned the trains leaving the station during their game Friday against Wichita. I bet them 95 to one to win the NCAA tournament. And by the time they're like during the game against Michigan, there's no price 60 to one, like lower than 60 to one. And I bet mm-hmm. after that demolition, it's probably even lower today, like 40 to yeah. one. They, they, they just, Clearly announced their presence. Uh, they're one of the biggest teams in the entire country, at least second in average height per Ken Palm. They're awesome. They're so good. All right, guys, let's get to the power game of the week. There's a couple, but we're going to start with Gonzaga Duke. This is the headliner. Matt, your boys, the Blue Devils, coming here to Vegas, a game I will be at in attendance here, taking on Gonzaga, who has already rolled Texas. But it feels like Duke's a bit of a better matchup for them, right? They've got some better individual defenders inside. They're bigger. They're a little more have a defined identity right now. We saw them take down Kentucky. Do you think Duke can get this done outright, Matthew? Yes, I do. I think there's a money line. Wow, wow. I think if you're catching four or higher, there's some money line value on the Devils. Uh, As you know here in the outline, it has the spread. Or Kempom projects it to be a six-point game. You probably all agree it won't be that high. Um, But the Zags have been pretty dominant so far. I think the key thing to know here is that the dominance against Texas was rooted in the fact that Texas is a, a work in progress and B very soft up front, which is sort of a, it's, it's not what you think of a crispier team, but without Dylan Disu, that's what they 